how preaching about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, would affect people and situations and things. And, you know, something we need to realize. The Holy Spirit is a very real person just as much as God, just as much as Jesus. And no more than we are afraid of God and following God and talking about God, no more than we are afraid of Jesus and talking about Jesus and following Jesus, we should not be afraid of the Holy Spirit or talking about the Holy Spirit. I know in a lot of places it's taboo. You know, we don't talk about, we, if the Spirit moves, that's okay, but we don't talk about it because we don't want a bunch of weird stuff going on around here. You know, we don't want that kind of, and that's it's that way in a lot of places. But folks, the thing about it is, the, the doctrine, the Bible doctrine of the Holy Spirit is just as real as any other doctrine in the Bible. And the thing, you know, there's folks that, that heard our message two weeks ago that uh, left with mixed emotions because they didn't hear the other part of it. And they was folks that heard the message last week that didn't hear it the first week, and they didn't, you know. And this week, I pray that nobody leaves here confused about the Holy Spirit. And if, you, and if there's questions, then there's CDs on the table back there. And if not that, then you can go on our website. And, uh, and you can listen to the two previous messages about the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to convince you of some new doctrine, okay, for a while. I'm not trying to convince you of something that just, well, that sounds like that'd be good. We'll, we'll talk about that for a while. No. This is a, a mandate from the Holy Spirit himself to share these things because, folks, if we don't, if we're not taught, then we don't know. You know, those books that Gary had there, <laughs> man, that's, that'd be just like Greek to me. But you know why? I've never had trigonometry. I don't know anything about it. I just, you know, had some geometry and, and a little bit of algebra. But I'm talking about 50 long years ago. <laughs> So, you know, for me to get back in that, I'm like him. Somebody has to teach me how to get from the bottom to the top and the right angle. Somebody has to teach me that. So, because I don't understand trigonometry, I don't doubt that it's real, and I don't get nervous when somebody starts talking about it. If i got to have it, then i got to get somebody like Gary to show me. Or somebody like Sydney that knows the answers to show me. You know, she's got the answer. So I want us to. I want you to listen today, because today we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in talking about this, we've talked about the the what was the first thing we talked about? Last week we talked about. The promise of the Holy Spirit. The first week we talked about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Next week we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we need to realize that these, that these different facets and thoughts of the Holy Spirit are real and evident for us to have today in our lives. 
I believe that one reason that so many people look like every time they, they make any kind of commitment, they just hit a block wall and they can't go any further, is because they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in their life that they need done in their life that only the Holy Spirit can do. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that helps us understand the Word of God. When it comes down to it, we, if we look at it this way, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He's the one that teaches. You know what Jesus said? He will teach you. Teach you. He will guide you. And over in 1 John chapter 2, he said, John said this, that you, have, you, don't, you don't have to have men to teach you because you have an unction in you, which is the Holy Spirit, that teaches you all things. Now, you say, well, then the Holy Spirit teaches me all things. Why am I wasting my time coming to church? Well, sometimes he teaches us through other people. But he'll say to you, hey, you need to get a whole reason that we need that. Any time that we will allow the Holy Spirit to show us things, those are things that we're going to know forever. If, if you feel like the Holy Spirit showed you something today, and then next week somebody convinced you something different, either you didn't get what He was showing you, or it wasn't the Holy Spirit that showed you that. When He shows us something, when He teaches us something, folks, we're taught. So we need to, we need to realize that. In John chapter 14... Scripture we've been using, John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That, that's a strong statement right off the bat, isn't it? If you love me. A lot of folks run around, I love Jesus, but then they're living like the devil. You don't love Jesus and live like the devil. You don't love Jesus and live like you want to. If you love Jesus, you keep His commandments. You keep His Word. And, he, and here's the thing about it. He's made it to where we can do this. Now, when Jesus was on the earth with the disciples, it wasn't hard for those disciples to keep His Word. Whatever He said, they did. He said, get in the boat, go to the other side. But Jesus, there's a storm coming. They didn't say that. They just got in the boat and went to the other side and got messed up in the storm. So when He was here, they followed His Word. If He said, Go over there in that city, and there's a donkey there with a little coat, and you untie that and tell them I have need of it. No, they didn't ask any questions. Go into town and follow this guy with a pitch. Go there, and they didn't ask any questions about that kind of thing. They came to the the well at Samaria, and he and he told them, said, "Y'all go get something. I'm gonna stay here. I I gotta stay right here." And and they didn't question what he was doing. Why? Because he was with them. And it was easy to show his love, their love to him while he was with them. But now he's telling them, I'm about to go away. I'm fixing to leave this thing. But I want you to understand this. If you love me, you'll continue to obey my word. And listen to the next verse. Boy, this is such a promise. And he said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. I like the word helper there that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Now, the Helper. He said, I'm going to pray the Father. He'll send you another Helper that will help you to continue to walk in My Word, and He'll help you to do that because you love Me. 
I'm glad that, and, and we've said this a lot of times, you've said it and others have said it, I'm glad that he did not just save David Carroll in 1969 and set him up on his feet and say, now make it. Get there. I'll be waiting on the other end. He didn't do that. But whenever he saved me, the helper came. Now, now get a hold of this. The helper, the Holy Spirit came when I was saved. He came into my life, like I talked about in the service last week, as a resident, he was there to help me know that I am now a child of God. Romans chapter 8 says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You say, well, if I got the Holy Spirit, and in that sense, that's all I need. We need to realize that there's more to the Christian life than just salvation. In Hebrews chapter 6, he said, he said now listen, he said, we're not going to lay this foundation again of of repentance from dead works, the baptisms and these different things. He said, and this we will do if God permits. But he said, let us go on. Well, the only way that we're going to go on is through the help and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the helper. Now, every time Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, he called the Holy Spirit he or him. Never one time did he refer to the Holy Spirit as it or something. Wouldn't it have been, wouldn't it have been amazing if he had told those disciples, he said, look, I'm going to pray the Father and he'll send you something else? He didn't do that. But we do that, don't we? And, you know, I don't uh they have some kind of an intuition about things. But here we are as Christians. And we'll say, boy, something just told me I didn't need to go down Highway 55 today. Well, if you're a child of God, it's not a something telling you. It's a somebody. It's the Holy Spirit. I don't know where it came from. No. The Holy Spirit is a He. Look in John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, verse 13, I want you to notice how many times in these two or three verses that we're about to read that Jesus used the word He or Him. He said, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, talking about the Helper, He, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. All, that, all things that the Father hath their mind, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. He's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. Uh, I thought about many different ways of, of making an illustration right here so we'd understand. Can I borrow your guitar a minute, Brother Jerry? I'm not going to play it, okay? And I'll try not to throw it down. But I, I do want to move it out here. I won't move it far. I'll just take it out. Now then. This guitar is very personal to Brother Gary. It costs a lot of money. And he does a good job of playing it, don't y'all think? I think he does. But you know, this Holy, this Holy Spirit, this guitar is not alive. Now, when he strings, strums the strings, it makes a noise, that's for sure. But it, in its own self, it does nothing. It's not alive. It has no personality. 
until he does something with it. And you know, one thing, as much as Brother Gary loves his guitar, and I know he does because he's very protective of this thing and puts strings on it when they need strings on it and puts a battery in it when it needs a battery. He's very protective over this. But you know, I, I almost... I can almost imagine that Brother Gary don't sit down at night and take his guitar and say, oh, guitar, I've had a tough day. Can you help me? Uh, I, can you show me how to do this guitar? Why? Because this is an it. This is a thing. This is a something. But he can sit down at night and say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. I need you to show me. I need you to guide me. It's altogether different, isn't it? But we've treated the Holy Spirit like a dead piece of wood because we've not been willing to consult Him and follow Him and walk and, and go with Him. So, thank you, Brother Gary. Please don't fall. I'm talking to the guitar like it's... <laughs> so... When we, when we think about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, I believe, and, and I'm sure most of you do too, I believe in what we call the Trinity. And I don't believe in that because the Catholics come up with it. That's, you know, that's their thing over yonder. I believe it because I believe the Bible teaches it from the very first on down. I believe the Bible teaches what we call the Godhead. And the New Testament even used that word, the Godhead. And it's made up of God the Father, made up of God the Son, who Jesus Christ is the name we know Him by, Jesus. Christ is, Christ is not part of His name, it's part of His who He is. He's power, He's anointing, He's the Messiah. And then, God the Holy Spirit. Everything that God is, the Holy Spirit is, except the Holy Spirit's not the Father. You, you see what I'm saying? So I told you you're going to have to listen to me today because I, I'm, I, I want to teach you some things that we need to realize. The Holy Spirit was with the Father in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God. In the beginning, God. And then in verse 2 we see, The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the, the face of the water. So the Holy Spirit was there with God in the beginning. Jesus was there with God. The scripture that he referred to in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and, and the same was God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And then God, later on we see in verse 26, He said, let us. Let us. Who's He talking to? He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man. And so when God made man and formed mankind, formed Adam from the dust of the earth, he breathed into him the breath of life. In God's breath, the Holy Spirit inspired Adam to live, and Adam became a living soul. So everything that God is... See, God is omnipotent. You know what omnipotent means, don't you? It means he's all-powerful. God is omniscient. means he knows everything. When we start talking to the Holy Spirit and asking Him to help us because He's the helper here on this earth this day and time, He knows everything I need to know. Isn't that good? The Holy Spirit knows everything I need to know. You say, well, I, where is He at? 
Well, He's come to live in us. He's not floating around, you know, like a lot of people think. Says, i got a statement I want to make about that in just a minute. He's omnipresent means that He is everywhere. But if He's everywhere, like, like one fellow I read, He's every when. In other words, it makes no difference where I'm at or when I'm there. The Holy Spirit is there when I'm there. He goes before me. He's there with me. He's there helping me. Now, when we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, the characteristics of that person, uh, His personality. The Holy Spirit has a distinct personality from God the Father and from Jesus Christ. Even though these three are one, Jesus has a distinct personality separate from God the Father and from the Holy Spirit. God has a distinct personality separate from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and say it. Brother Bobby here, Sister Bobby. I nearly said brother. I saw Go ahead and say it. Bobby brought me this thing that she come across, a little five-year-old girl gave, talking about the difference of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in this, she, she said that God's the manager, Jesus is the operator, and the Holy Spirit's the worker. And I, I, I think I like that. And then another thing, God's the Papa. He's coming from five-year-old now, you understand. God's the Papa. Jesus is the healer, and the Holy Spirit's the helper. He's the helper. And then God thought it, Jesus loved it, and the Holy Spirit carried it out. So they all have a different function, and they all have something different that, that they need to be doing. See, the word personality is not talking about Bob Barker on TV. He's a TV personality, okay? I guess. Is he still alive? I don't know. Jack say, uh, Jack say Jack. Anyhow, whatever their names are. Tell how much I watch television anymore. The word personality, is, it means the combination of characteristics or qualities that form an individual's distinct character. We all have a personality. And sometimes we imitate other people's personality. And then there's other, sometimes that we do things, just do it, and it looks like somebody else doing it. Let me give you all an example. I didn't pick on my family because they're my family. But if you're around Mark and Arianna very much, <laughs> you'll find that Arianna has inherited a whole lot of her father's personality. <laughs> I didn't mean to make your face red, sweetie. <laughs> you didn't get that from him. His face never gets red. <laughs> but personality. Everybody is either, is, we all are developing personality. You know, people say, boy, you're the same as you was 10 years ago. You're not. Things have changed in your life. And, you know, if, you know, if nothing else, you've either got taller, shorter, grayer, balder, or bigger around the middle or other places. So, so we're not the same as we were 10 years ago in our characteristics. And there's things in our life and our thinking and in our thought process that has changed. There's things that I believe today that 10 years ago I didn't know so much about. And there were some things that I thought I was dead on 10 years ago that I, I don't know so much about those things today. And you say, are you talking about things? Oh, no, no, not things of God. I'm talking about things in this world. But my personality 
is still basically the same, but it's changed over 10 years. Yours has too. You, you, you stop and think about it. You, you take into context. And some people's reality has changed for the worse. Thank you for that big amen. I believe all of us' personality has changed for the better, don't you? Well, here's something about the personality of the Holy Spirit. He never changes. Why? Because God never changes. Everything that God is, the Holy Spirit is, except the Father. Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit is supernatural. You've got to remember that. The Holy Spirit is supernatural, not paranormal. There's a whole big difference. Okay? The Holy Spirit's not going to come in and start bouncing your table around, slamming your door in your house, and, and making all kinds of weird noises. To just See, the Holy Spirit is supernatural, but He's not weird. And here's, here's a place I think that a lot of folks has departed from going on with the Holy Spirit because there's been some people in times past in what we call the Pentecostal and the Charismatic movement that had just turned out to be completely weird. Holy Spirit didn't have anything to do with it. They just turned out to be weird. And so, therefore, because some people were weird about some things and did some things that were wrong and sometimes maybe in an innocency of not knowing, did some things that was wrong, when we take, make the term, say the term Pentecostal, then people get all nervous about, you know, and they start looking for snake baskets. Or they think that all we're going to do is everybody just going to jump up and start speaking in tongues at one time. All of us are running around crazy, swinging from the fans as they blow and all of that kind of thing. All of us will look like we've got a Fitbit watch. Jenny told me she had one and it tells her when to get up and move. I said, what are you going to do if that thing goes off during church? She said, I'm going to get up and start running around. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. And then if it works, we're going to get everybody one, okay? <laughs> oh, you didn't get up. You need to stand up then or you're going to be in trouble. That thing will tell on you. He's supernatural. Supernatural. Hey, hey, listen, folks. It's supernatural when the Holy Spirit, because the name of Jesus has been invoked, it's supernatural when He goes beyond what the doctors say, what the medicine can do, and He moves on somebody and touches somebody because somebody has moved upon Him in faith and that person is healed completely. That's supernatural. It's supernatural when someone that's just an old rank sinner like Wayne Simmons was, and he comes to Jesus because the Holy Spirit draws him. And it's supernatural, the change that takes place in that life. Folks, that's the height of all miracles. I had it happen being as nice as I can. It happened to you. And you say, I resent that. I wasn't a rank old sinner. Can I tell you something? Just being as nice as I can. If you're not a Christian, you're a rank old sinner. Jesus was in the power of the Holy Spirit. But He wasn't weird. Now, some of them thought He was. Some of them said, you know, this guy's got to be crazy coming in here and telling people to get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven you. But if you look in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, look what it says. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, 
And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. That word power there is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite or dynamo from. And dynamite's talking about an explosive kind of power. A power that's not only used to, to destruct or, or, or destroy something, but also something to use to clear way for new construction to take place. But it's also talking about a dynamo as being something that's self-energizing, self-reproducing power that the faster it goes, the faster it can go. And, 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 and so this is what he's talking about. But it's not weird. We've let it be weird. But Jesus, look, He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. Caused the blind eyes to see. The deaf ears to open the mute tongues to talk, the lame to walk, the mane. That means they didn't have an arm and it grew out. Can, can you just imagine these kind of things? I'd love to see some of those weird kind of things happen in our day and time. I'd love to see people's health and body and lives and marriages and homes and children and parents. I'd love to see the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit, this dynamite that can come in and blow up and destroy destroy sin and pain and sickness in people's lives and pave way for the health of God, the freedom of God, the peace of God to begin to come into their life. The Holy Spirit, He's a person and He can do that. It's in Acts 1.8. He said this. He said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power. Here's the word power is the same word dunamis. Now, He's not talking about Jesus here. He's talking about you and me through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, having a kind of power in us that can work things like Jesus worked when He was on this earth. Why? Because the same person, the Holy Spirit, is living in us that lived in Him. Acts 10, 38. It's okay, boy. I don't think I put that down. It's okay. I'm going to quote it to you. Peter's talking to Cornelius, a Gentile, and he said to him in his household, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. About doing good with the Holy Ghost and with power. The word dunamis, power. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Can I ask you a question? When, when Jesus went back to heaven, did God quit being with us? No. You know how God is with us today? He's with us through the Holy Spirit living in our lives. There in John chapter 14, we won't turn to it because it's for another message. But Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, my, he said, I will come, and me and the Father will come, and we will make our abode in you. How does he do that? Through the Holy Spirit. And he said, and, and we will manifest ourselves. God the Father, God the Son will manifest theirself to us. Anytime God will manifest Himself to us, He's wanting to manifest Himself through us. We can see the miraculous things of Almighty God. You say, Preacher, if you believe this so strong, then why aren't you doing it? Boy, you don't think I don't pray about this all the time? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that we're coming to the point of where we do. See, when Jesus spoke, the Holy Spirit did the work. When Jesus spoke the Word, Holy Spirit applied the Word. When Jesus spoke and blind eyes were opened, 
then it was the Holy Spirit that was opening those blind eyes because He was the operator, you see. Just like He is today. And, and when, when Jesus spoke the Word, or just walked around people, and, and the one with issue of blood, how that when she touched Him, virtue or power or the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus flooded out of Jesus into her and healed her. Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, walked by in his shadow would heal people in that day and time. When faith speaks, it's the Holy Spirit bringing it to pass. That's the reason it's so important for you and I to have the word of faith in us because when we speak that word, it's the Holy Spirit working to bring that word to pass. Okay, now here's another thing. Talking about his personality. The Holy Spirit has comfort because he is the comforter. Are you... Have you gone through situations in life and it just seemed like the, the further you went in life, the harder the persecution became, the harder the struggle came. So I can right now just think about many of you, and my name may be at the top of that list, but I can think about things that, that we're all going through. The church suffered much persecution in that early church. I mean, not only did, did the Jews turn them out of the temple, turn them out of their synagogue, disown them. I'm talking about parents disowned children. Husbands was disowning wives, wives disowning husbands. This kind of thing was going on. And, and then here comes this guy named Saul, who was an up, and the governors of those territories had gone and got a permission from the chief priests and the governors of those territories, and he was hauling Christians in, and Christians were being tortured and tormented and killed and, and, and they were ta their own life they was just taking it into their hands to even claim the name of Jesus something happened one day on the road to Damascus this guy named Paul Saul he later became named, named, known as Paul the Holy Spirit come, come upon him and like a bright light shone around about him and Paul got gloriously saved on the road to Damascus, just like you and I did. We wasn't on the road to Damascus, but folks, my salvation was just as glorious to me as Paul's was to him. And listen, he went, he went into Samaria, or on into Damascus, and there, when he got his eyesight back, he began to preach Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had made this real to him. And in there, Ananias came and said, Paul, I've come lay my hands upon you that you may receive your sight and that you may be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we, we know that he was. He went on back, left Damascus, snuck out, went back to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, some of them liked him, some of them didn't. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be today if the persecutors of the church were to all of a sudden get saved and want to come here to church? And we said, well, wait a minute now, let's... We need to have a pre-church conference. Can we do this? <laughs> you know, find out what your motive is. They didn't like him. Some wanted to kill him. They laid in wait to kill Paul. And Barnabas came to him through the Holy Spirit and told him, said, you need to leave town, Paul. And Paul left town and went over to Tarsus and over into Arabia. You can get the story of his life later on. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, I want you to notice something that's said here. Acts chapter, this is going to speak personal to a lot of people right now. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. They had rest. 
and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied, were increased. Wow. Listen, folks, regardless of what kind of thing you've been going through in your life, the Holy Spirit is here to help you with that today. He's here to give you comfort. He's here to restore some joy back into your life. He wants to come and and renew that relationship in you and, and help you understand that He's with you through every struggle, every trouble that comes on. He's with you. He's there for you. And, and listen, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, He's interceding for you. Because sometimes we get in those situations, we don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And we'll talk about that later too. But the Holy Spirit makes intercession. Why? Because I'm, I'm soaking calms and He helps me. So, Holy Spirit, help. Help. And He calms and He helps. And there's peace comes. There's a rest comes. Why? Because we know the answer's on the way. We know the problem's still right there. The persecution didn't end for the church. But because the Holy Spirit showed up in those churches, they had comfort. And here's one thing about comfort. Any time we allow the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come and minister that comfort to us in a time of turmoil and trouble, He brings joy with it. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you folks, He can cause you to have joy when there's no reason to have joy. He can cause you to laugh when there's no reason to laugh. He can cause you to cry when there's no reason to cry, but the tears will be uh, crying because that you're happy because of what God's done in your life. He'll restore the joy to you. I don't know if any of y'all witnessed this on Facebook. I did and, and uh, the other day. And there was a preacher that was preaching about the same thing I'm talking about. He went out in a little bit different way. Now, this was a, a black preacher, and you know, sometimes they can get away with more than us white preachers can. But he come out, and he had a fifth of Jack Daniels. Had not been opened either. It's a fifth of Jack Daniels. And he was using that to illustrate the Holy Spirit. And he said, you take this Jack Daniels, and he said, you, you take a drink of it, and you're consuming the Jack Daniels. And he talked about that scripture where it says, Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, and he said, and he takes another drink. He consumes a little bit more and a little bit more until after a while, Jack Daniels has consumed him. And he walks funny. And he talks a little funny. And he laughs. We ain't reading the laughs. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you? And he cries. <laughs> Ain't no reason to cry. <laughs> so that's why he passes out. He said the Holy Ghost is the same way. You get, you know, you take a little Holy Ghost and you take some more and you take some more until the Holy Ghost consumes you. Then you'll laugh at things that people think, well, why are they laughing now? Because the joy of the Holy Ghost is here. And you'll, and you'll cry when there's nothing to cry about. But what are you doing? You're, you're exercising the Holy Spirit's intercession through you. 
And you may walk a little funny sometimes and, and talk a little funny. I'll get to this in a minute. But do you know the Holy Spirit has a language? And a lot of folks get nervous about that. They get real nervous about it. But that, that guy that's consumed with Jack Daniels, he talks funny too, don't he? Can't hardly understand words. Y'all know what I'm saying. I saw that on TV. I never experienced anything. God help us. Lord, the joy that the comfort of the Holy Spirit brings. Why? Because He's a person. He's a real person. And He and the Holy Ghost experiences all of these different kind of things. Let me move along. I'm about to get behind now. I didn't intend to put that in, but the Holy Spirit brought that back up. The Holy Spirit has gifts. Gifts. He's a person, so He comes bearing gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, he said, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. There again is the three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one in the self, same Spirit, dividing to every man several as he will. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you this? These are not learned things. This is supernatural. The Holy Spirit supernatural. His gifts are supernatural. We'll talk more about these later. But He has fruit. And get a hold of this. He wants to give us His gifts. And He wants to bear His fruit through us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So he, He wants to give us His gifts. And then He wants to live big enough so He can bear His fruit through us. Now, God got about this. The Holy Spirit can get grieved because He's a person. God got grieved. He got grieved at the children of Israel because that they would not believe Him. Jesus got grieved. He got grieved because people would not believe. The Holy Spirit gets grieved and basically because people will not believe. They won't believe that the Holy Spirit's a person. They won't believe the Holy Spirit's real. They won't believe the Holy Spirit's working today. They won't believe the Holy Spirit's supernatural. They won't believe these things I've been talking about. And the Holy Spirit gets grieved over those things. He gets grieved when we don't follow His bidding. We, he gets grieved when we don't let Him be Lord in charge of all. He, so, so He can get grieved just like God and Jesus got grieved. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Ghost of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Don't grieve, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit, he, he comes like a fire and He can be quenched. Quenched, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, Do not quench, this is the Amplified Bible, do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? By not being obedient to Him, by rejecting Him. Stephen, and I, I saw something this week in Stephen's testimony. St- 
Stephen had testified in, in Acts chapter 7 about the Lord. And he went on in talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, what had just happened a few days before? The day of Pentecost had fully come. And the Holy Spirit was coming on people and according to the promise that was given. And so here he's talking about the things of God, the things of the Spirit. And as you, and as you look on down, I hadn't got this verse for you, but you can, you can look it up later. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, he said, Oh, you stiff-necked and hard of heart, why do you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did? Resist there is the same as quenching. It's the same there as grieving the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? It's because that we don't want to get a label. Hey, we got labels. We've all got labels, and we're going to work, walk on them. I don't know if you've had in your life, if you've quenched the Holy Spirit or grieved the Holy Spirit because of not believing and not following through on the things you need to, by not allowing His life to become your way of life? I don't know. But here's one thing about it. If you have, you can, you can do something about that today. Because in 2 Timothy 1.6, again, this is an Amplified Bible. Listen to what it says. This is why I would remind you to stir up, that is, rekindle the embers of fan the flame of and keep burning the gracious gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. He taught Paul had a ministry of laying hands on people and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. He, he, I, I've had that to happen with me several times. Lay hands on somebody. And it's not that I'm something, but that's just the way the Holy Spirit chose to do it. And Paul did that. Paul laid hands on Timothy. Timothy received the baptism or the infilling with the Holy Spirit. And evidently through pastoring, and I can identify with this, through pastoring or whatever was going on, it seemed like in his life that something was beginning. He was getting down. It was beginning to just get suppressed. He was getting grieved or quenching. Something was going on. So Paul said to him, look, the next verse talks about, for God's not given us spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. So Paul is saying to him, listen, listen, here's what you need to realize. Stir that up. Stir it up. How do you stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost? How do you stir that up within you? Well, I can only go back and, and think about something I heard Smith Wigglesworth, I read, I didn't hear it, I'm not that old, but read something that he said. He was talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about praying in tongues, and I, I, I skipped past that for a purpose, I'm going to come back to it in a minute, uh, that he said that I, what I do, I get by myself, and I edify myself. I stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost in me. And he said, then I go out and edify the people. Stir up the people. How do you do that? Well, you do it by praying in the Holy Spirit's language. He's got a language. Uh, so we'll back up, J.J., to 1 Corinthians. I mean, uh, Bo, J.J., back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14. 
And this is again from the Amplified Bible. Listen to what he said. For I pray, if I pray in an unknown tongue, if I do, you notice here's a choice, I can make it. You don't have to, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and have a prayer language, you don't have to do everything you do in, in another language. You don't have to do that. But you can. So if I make the decision to pray in an unknown tongue, what's happening is my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me. My spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. So if I'm praying in a tongue, it's the Holy Spirit moving my spirit to pray in that. So the Holy Spirit has a language. We call it a prayer language. He said, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? He said, I will pray with the Spirit. With my Spirit, that is by the Holy Spirit that is within me. But I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. He said, I will sing with my Spirit by the Holy Spirit. That's singing in the Spirit. That is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. I want you to notice something I've not said in all of this. I've not said, you have to do this. I've not. You don't have to do what I'm talking about to go to heaven. When you made Jesus Lord of your life, you got your ticket punched to go to heaven. But life hasn't been peaches and cream since then, has it? And we need help. We need all the help that we can get. And God's if heard, He's given us His Spirit as a helper and as a comforter. And folks, if He can give me a language that I can pray and commune to God with that will, that will encourage me and build me up, then folks, I believe that's okay. You see, I don't have to do that to go to heaven. But I want to do more than just go to heaven. I want to live victorious. I want to be able to be a light for those around me. I want to be to the point where the power of God can flow through me and in my life and flow out to others. And I'm not talking about just witness somebody about Jesus, and that's something we must do. It's so much easier with the Holy Spirit. But I want to be able to, to, to do the other things that Jesus did and that He told me that I could do. I, in essence, it's this way. I don't have to have the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit or a prayer language to go to heaven. I don't want to go to Walmart without it, though. You say, do you pray in tongues and you go to Walmart? A lot of times I do. Nobody knows it because just some one thing about it. I don't have to pray out loud for you to know that. I'm praying in my spirit because it's my spirit praying with the Holy Spirit. Say, well, what good is it doing? Okay, here's what it's good. If you back up to verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13 says, Therefore, the person who speaks in an unknown tongue should pray for the power to interpret it and explain what he says. Many times when I pray, I'll pray in my understanding. And then I'll pray in tongues. And, and as I feel that beginning to move, I ask God to help me know what that was. First time I experienced that. It was some months after I had been filled with the Holy Ghost. And, man, we were pastoring there in North Carolina, and I just knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that this was right. And, and boy, I just knew because I'd heard all these testimonies about pastors getting filled with the Holy Spirit and, and things began to happen, and their church just bloom out and grow and bust out the seams overnight. 
Well, this happened in May. June came, July came, August came, September came, October came. And by that time, we'd lost one family. You know. We came to church on a Sunday night, and there was five of us there. And I just had such a heavy burden of prayer that I got, I just said, let's just get an altar and pray. So we got an altar and began to pray. And I, and I noticed as I was praying and pouring my heart out to God that I was praying in another language. I was praying in a tongue I didn't know. Now, that was not the first time that happened, but this time it was just so, so distinct. And as I was praying, and then all of a sudden, I, I remember I'd like to know what I'm saying, and all of a sudden I begin to say what interpret to myself. And so I was praying. You say, well, God don't need all that. Hold on, bear with me for a few minutes, will you? And so I was praying and calling out to God, God, I don't understand the prophecies that have come about our church and, and all of these things. And here we've been obedient to your word and, and all of this. And, and nobody's come. We've lost a family. And then I went back to praying in tongues again. And then after a short spell of that, I began to pray in English again. And this time, it was God speaking to me through the Spirit and said, My son, every word that I have said to you will indeed come to pass. Walk before me and walk in faith. He said, they'll come. He said, don't worry about those that's not coming to church. He said, and don't worry about those that have not come yet because I'm going to bring them in. From the north, south, east, and west, from near and far, I'll bring them in. And I just praised God over that. Had me a time. Boy, you talk about comfort and joy. The Holy Ghost came and, and it was just wonderful. I shared it with the people that was there and they, everybody just got excited. That was in October. November came. December came. I said, God, we won't walk by faith because you have given us your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. First Sunday in January, this is in 1981. First Sunday in January, I had some visitors that day. And, and, beside, and by the way, that day we had 30 people in church. The next Sunday, those visitors came back and brought some more with them, and that continued to just escalate. And the first Sunday in June, five months later, we had 150 people in church. You say, you believe praying in tongues did that? No, but listen. Praying in tongues got me to where I could hear God. And it built me up. And it confirmed what God was showing me. But listen. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He brings that language. And let me, let me tell you this. I wouldn't ask you to begin to seek God for the, the, the language, the gift of tongues, the Holy Spirit, so you can... Do like what I just talked about. No. No. The gift is not as important as the giver of the gift. The Holy Spirit gives that gift. But it's just like buying a pair of lace-up shoes. You got on a pair of lace-up shoes? Brother Wayne's got some right here. Every time you go buy a pair of lace-up shoes, you get a set of tongues with it. You allow Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The tongues thing will take care of itself. And it's not for a great display so you can run around and impress people with your spirituality. That's not what the Holy Spirit's for. That's not what speaking in this prayer language is for. But this prayer language is for the purpose of you having that close communion and fellowship with Almighty God. When He said He'll make intercession for you, 
with, with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. The literal translation of that is that he will, he will pray through you with words that are not particular to your articulate speech. Finally, the person of the Holy Spirit. Because he's a person, he can be sinned against. I can sin against my wife. I can sin against Bradley. Why? Because they're people. I can't sin against this guitar. I may take that guitar and bust it on the floor, but all I've done is sinned against Gary because he's the person responsible for the guitar. So if I cause the Holy Spirit's a person, then I can sin against the Holy Spirit. Jesus is... Back in, as we go back and think about the scriptures that we talked about, about the heart and mouth connection in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus had been casting out devils. And they came and said, you're casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus explained to them that this is being done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they wanted to ridicule that, but listen to what he said. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak a word against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. That's pretty tough, isn't it? You know, we need to be sure of what the Holy Ghost is doing. But we don't never need to say when there's something we don't understand, that's not the Holy Ghost. We just need to back up and say, I don't understand that, and the Holy Spirit will show us the right thing. Now, if we understand that something's wrong, it's wrong. It don't, you know, it don't make any difference. It's wrong. It's just wrong. I don't care how much people say it's the Holy Ghost. I have people to, to write me or call me all the time and send me emails, and I got a text from a person the other day that said, I've just been praying and the Holy Spirit told me to come and preach at your church. Something wrong with that. Somehow or another, I hadn't hooked, either I hadn't hooked up with the Holy Spirit or they were not hooked up with the Holy Spirit because God ain't said nothing to me about it. That's wrong. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with me, then it'll be right. Now, I'm not saying I, everything's got to run through the pastor. Don't get me wrong now, okay? But things like that, folks, just because somebody said the Spirit told me, the Spirit told me, the Spirit told me, you need to try that Spirit. You need to weigh it out. But then when we talk about things like the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's people that will stand up and tell you there's no such thing today. You get everything you get when you get saved. There's nothing else to get. But that's not according to the Word of God. I don't want to speak against the Holy Spirit. I want, to, I, I want to judge the spirits. I want to see what's going on in the Spirit. That's the reason that anytime somebody comes and says, the Lord saith, I want to be sure the Lord is saith in that. Don't you? You know what I'm saying? It, it'd be like this, this meeting I heard about where that different people stand up and giving prophecies and giving messages in tongues and and all of that kind of thing, and different things was going on. And finally, this guy stood up in the balcony, a great, big, large, uh, charismatic, Pentecostal kind of church. And this guy stood up in the balcony back there and said, The Lord said, I ain't said nothing.
So we need to we need to watch it. You know, I don't know where you stand this morning. I don't know what your thoughts is about the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. If you've never been born again, the day you're sitting in this service and Jesus is not Lord of your life, it's the Holy Spirit that's telling you you need to be saved. That's who it is. 